0: Uh, let's see. So, uh, do we want to talk about the, the force field?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just got distracted because I, um, my computer changed ratchet to ratchet (laughs) and didn't like correct it or anything. And I was like, ah, this, this is why I hate machines. (laughs) (laughs) Autobots transform and roll out.
0: welcome back for another episode of Two Mike's Two Furious Animated Transformers. We are the podcast where we are going through Transformers Animated one episode at a time. My name is Mike Seibert and I have never watched Transformers Animated before this project. And joining me on this adventure is the other titular Mike of the podcast, a serial TFA rewatcher, Michael Andrews. How are we doing?
1: Good, good. Thank you, Mike. Yes, it is I who has seen this show a bajillion d times. You are the serial rewatcher. Yeah, yeah, and bajillion d is a real number. I want everyone yes. to know that.
0: <laughs> so let's, uh, so let let's start off our our episode with everybody's newest favorite segment: number legislation. Woo! <laughs> so so in, in in this episode, we are talking about uh, Transformers animated episode five, total meltdown. This is our episode four. And, um, yeah. And remind me. So, okay. So, so transform and Rollout exclamation point was the pilot movie. And then, uh, home is where the spark is, is episode one oh, well. or two. Well, yeah, see <laughs> again, this is why we do number <laughs> legislation. So this is, is, Technically, see, episode two of season one. Uh, outside of the pilot, outside right? of
1: the like the pilot movie. Yeah, yeah. This but might be the la- five by everyone else. Yeah, I don't. Think so.
0: <laughs> this might be the last time we do
1: number legislation. I think we should I'm not we might sure. scrap this bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too confusing for me, even
0: <laughs> too confusing, too furious. Yeah, That's woo. what's going to make us too furious is the, is the amount of numbered <laughs> legislation and, uh, and confusion. Yeah. Um, but Hey, so b- before we get into the episode discussion, you had some literature you want to share with us, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. So the last episode, home is where the spark is. I found myself making a lot of references to Beast Machines. And in reviewing this episode, I saw another reference to Beast Machines and I was like... And then I also went and re-watched all of Beast Machines, like, almost in one sitting, which oh my uh, God. I think people would think that's, like, torture. That's like uh, Transformers boarding or something. But uh, I, I love that show.
0: That's a sticker, by um, the way. Yeah. <laughs> Transformers boarding. And it's just, it's just like Clockwork Orange, eyes peeled open just having to watch Beast Machines. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: no, I, I'm a huge Beast Machines fan. I really like it. Um, but I kept seeing all these references, and I, it, I was like, this can't be... Made up, but it came to my attention that there is a huge link between Beast Machines and and this show that we're watching, Transformers Animated, because they're both head written by Marty Eisenberg. I forgot that Marty Eisenberg was a writer, was the head writer showrunner of Beast Machines as well. Probably explains why I like it so much. But anyway, going through, I was going through the Allspark Almanac here, and he actually wrote the uh, afterword of the book, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to uh, just go through a quick. Uh, excerpt from that, so if I may. So Marty Isemer says, uh, not another Transformers show, in quotes. Uh, I have to admit that's what was going through my head during my very first lunch meeting to discuss this project back in December of 2005. At the time, I'd been writing scripts for Ben 10 and was told that my writing had impressed the show's executive producer, Sam Register, to the point where he wanted to meet with me about a new show he had in the works. As the lunch went on and Sam described to me what he had in mind, a new approach, a character-based approach, a fun approach, my resistance gradually wore down. However, as the lunch went on, it also occurred to me that two words had yet to be spoken aloud, beast and machines. It was apparent to me that Sam had no knowledge of my prior association with the Transformers universe and based on my memory of hostile fan reaction and alleged death threats, I thought it best not to bring it up. There's more to it than that. I'll let the reader read it. Uh, No one needs to hear my audio book work. But, I love, it. But no, I just thought good. that it's was really interesting. A, because I was like, oh, yeah, there is like a big thread connecting these two shows. And B, I thought that was really a bummer that he had to go through that hostile fan reaction. I, I mean, I guess the Internet, I wasn't really like on it much when that show was out. So I didn't see it or I didn't realize there was that big of a backlash. I knew it wasn't the most popular thing mm-hmm. with Transformers fans. But yikes, at some point he must have got death threats or possible death threats like
0: it wouldn't surprise me I mean especially oh. in those early days of the of uh, the fandom I mean because you know I mean not to go on a tangent early on but yeah I mean the Transformers fandom is a terrific welcoming inclusive place until it isn't until it isn't right right you know I mean cuz it's uh they walk among us yeah, you know, and, and, and we and we've talked about that in in several other places. Uh, we're not necessarily going to litigate that here, but it, it does it does underscore sometimes that we as a fandom forget that human people create this stuff whether yeah. whether it's the writers the artists the art direction that's like the, these are these are real people with real human people feelings and you know so it's it's easy for us to you know casually tweet oh well this is awful this is wretched i mean i i do a fair amount of that myself um yeah probably more than i should but yeah. I mean, to, to the point of being like so precious about something that you're going to put like actual death threats is, is, is just yeah, that's wild.
1: I think it's really interesting too, that Transformers animated is like one of the more beloved by all in the franchise installments mm-hmm. as far as like animated series go. And then beast machines is like on the polar opposite end of like one of the more hated, but the same guy wrote both of them. basically. I think that's yeah. super interesting.
0: Well and and it's and
1: and that almost didn't happen, right? Like he almost was not willing to jump back in the ring and make Transformers Animated what it was because of the
0: From that negative backlash. Yeah, 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 for sure. And and it sounds it sounds to me from from this excerpt here that it's more on the back of his work on Ben Ten that than anything else and and you've talked about that in in some of our previous episodes kind of like the accidental connective tissue between ben 10 and tfa there there's a lot of you know i mean certainly aesthetically um but i I haven't really watched enough ben 10 myself to uh enough as in any but uh but no i it's just like so it's a blind spot for me so i can't necessarily speak to that, that connection other than like character models that I see, you know, it's a, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of Ben 10. It's a lot of, I noticed it kind of like, uh, specifically in this episode, I'm getting a lot of Batman beyond vibes.
1: Oh yeah.
0: In a, in a way that I don't know if I clocked in the, the first handful of episodes we did, but this one, like, especially like in, in the, uh, character design of, uh, of meltdown and even like police Robocop, uh, ed 209 <laughs> looking look, look drone things. It's just like, I, I don't, I don't know. It just, it, it just kind of gobsmacked me a bit. I was like, oh my God, this is almost a Batman beyond episode.
1: It's yeah. Great. Well, actually I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, we can probably get to it when we talk a little bit more about the scenes, but, um, I do want to mention that the writer of this episode was Rich Fogel, and uh-huh. that is going to be important later when we dive into some of those points. So I'll save that for a little Secret later to unlock.
0: Secret later, I love it. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so I guess like uh, as as we say, let's uh, let's just uh, uh, jump right into it. You know, the the transformers are or the I keep calling them the transformers, but the Autobots are uh, kind of uh, adapting to their new home in Detroit on Earth and they decide that they need to observe and acclimate to human culture more. So how else can you uh, observe human society by by watching television? We've got over 5,000 channels to monitor here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and and uh, a couple things I want to point out here, like Bulkhead does the gimmick with his kibble flipping around to a chair.
1: I love that. I love that it can do that. I wish the toy could do that to become the little rocker seat. But well,
0: apparently, um, or at least according to the, the TF wiki, apparently the leader class toy can do that really uh, it's not a toy I have or familiar with but uh that that's at least what somebody on TF wiki says but I
1: either have to check if mine is that version of it that can do it or I need to go out and get that toy because that is uh that I mean, that, that, that to me was like what really you know we can talk about all the other things about this show but what really made sure. me fall in love early on was that it turned into a chair and I was like at least my love for bulkhead that that's yeah and, and, and it's such a very bulkhead thing to do and and he's yeah. just so
0: casual about it just just flip and just yep. flops into the chair uh getting ready to to watch tv and, oh yeah and he's got like you know his uh oil barrel drink of choice as well <laughs> yeah. which i like that and 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 I, and I wonder because like you know we've talked about the autobots base headquarters thing trying to figure out what this actually is is it is it is it a factory is it a is it a uh you know, storage facility, a warehouse, um, auto shop, you know, it is whatever it needs to be. But my, my question is, is like, are, are there just like oil barrels just like hanging around that, that they can just like, you know, is it, is it like a post-apocalypse walking dead situation where there's just like leftover food in the stores that they can just like help themselves to? I kind of wonder about
1: that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just whatever we need it to be in the moment. Right. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about what they're actually seeing on the TV because I I I was uh taken aback by the autobot's reaction to the programming that they're watching so much vehicular violence uh between like the uh the demolition derby I mean like prowl looks visibly upset
1: yeah I I thought that was such a cool touch to be like like the concept of destruction derby is like us watching Scream or something, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like horror to them. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> nice little touch.
0: Yeah. So, so they see what is it like, like a gas station commercial or 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 something like that, where where they see the where they see cars being refueled. So the next time you fill your tank, be sure to use Super Premium Mega Fuel.
1: That looks like that hurts. not as much as that
0: and even even then that kind of that that still kind of like kind of sticks in the autobots crawl a little bit it's it's um again kind of a kind of a weird thing and and in this episode in particular you know we're we're probably going to have some conversations about energon and the the nature of it because like you know bulkhead is shown drinking Uh, Well, presumably oil or some kind of like uh, fossil fuel out of a uh, barrel there. But it is interesting that that there's there's also this component of the Autobots not quite knowing or understanding the uh, human vehicles needs for fuel. It's kind of kind of a weird uh, dichotomy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. Uh, And then and then it kind of fits perfectly with moving on to. The, the biochemical makeover commercial because I remember starting seeing like the the human version of life like the human need to like change yourself and what you need to like function and everything so that I mean that so it cuts to like the scary part for Transformers and cuts to the scary part for me which is the idea of the the biochemical makeover that that our uh, Prometheus Black here our snake oil salesman is is selling do you ever dream of being thinner taller faster even stronger well these people did
0: and they turned their dreams into reality and you can do that too with my biochemical makeover yeah well and and you know for for a kid's cartoon startling You know, it's just like, you know, they're, they're, uh, and, and again, you know, kudos to the, the character design, but like, you know, the, the, the before and after is, is pretty, uh, startling on the, on these, uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, it's like, oh man, they, they, they really, uh, those are some real uggos there
1: right <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like my gosh that's that's terrible like one of them has like a like a giant unibrow or something like yeah that. yeah like, they really re- like, come on you don't gotta go that, that hard <laughs> <laughs> i mean they, they're, they're bad off enough already but i love this line from optimus though where he's just like huh human makeovers what will they come up with next ah human upgrades what will they think of next
1: <laughs> yeah right like that's that's what's blowing his mind but yeah it's, it's a good point and and Prometheus Black, I think, is a very cool character. Like, I, I guess, I don't know if you realized he was the the slimy big bad of this episode right from his appearance here, but he does have quite a presence. And part of that presence is that he's voiced by Peter Stormare. Uh-huh. Um, and if you don't know who Peter Stormare is, he's the guy from everything, from every movie, the background of every movie that you've seen. I, well, I wanted to ask you, Mike, do you have a favorite yeah. role that, Peter Stormare did just to kind of give listeners. Oh my gosh. A, oh no. That, maybe if they're, a, if they're not in a place where they can Google him right now, maybe we can.
0: <laughs> that's, that's such a hard one too, because he is so ubiquitous. He, he is, he is that guy, you know, it's oh, like no. he, he's in a lot of Michael Bay movies.
1: Does he make it
0: into any of the live action Transformers movies? I don't know if Ooh, he
1: does. Dude, I don't know. I don't think I, so. I don't
0: think he does, which I know is he's, so in
1: he's, he's in Armageddon. He's in Armageddon. And, and meet up with the cosmos Lev,
0: in, yeah, the, in the space yeah. station and, and that was the role i was going to point to he's like oh yes is russian space station <laughs> hello this is a russian space station can you hear me and, and and it's so funny because like his uh vocal delivery in in this role here as a prometheus black it's like it it's he's i mean i i think he Naturally, has a little bit of an accent, but not as much as he does in the roles that he plays. You know, you, you've seen this guy in like all kinds of different roles. Like, I actually saw this guy. I mean, completely unrelated to Transformers. I saw this dude pop up in a in that uh, um, uh, Yellowstone spinoff, a uh, 1923. Oh on the, wow! Uh, yeah, so he, he's like a, he's like a salty boat captain. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh hey, Peter Stormare, getting work. Good for you. Yeah, way, he's way great. to be part of that franchise. But, right. um, but in, in this role as Prometheus black, it's like, you know, it's, it's shifty, it's slimy, it's sli- slippery, but it's not, it doesn't present to me as cartoonishly Eastern European as, as a lot of his voices are, right. you know, it's like he, he, you know, he, he's in them bad boys movies, or at least one of them right. where it's like, again, he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm vaguely Eastern European villain guy.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it doesn't know. seem to be doing that. It's like he's—it's a character. It's just a character, and it's—it it is chilling. There is something sort of like spoilers alert, but uh, there's something slimy about his voice, you know, and like caustic yes. a little bit. So it's a very great uh, casting on that. I just wanted to quickly run you through my favorite Peter Stormare roles. Uh, I love Cavaldi in Brothers Grimm.
0: You keep working with Cavaldi, this country won't be yours much longer. He panics.
1: if Mm. you remember this movie not maybe a lot of people do but Mm. brothers grim check it out dr solomon eddie from minority report i don't know if you remember the scene in minority report when tom cruise gets his new eyeballs installed and he's like he's the doctor that does the surgery but he's like deposed and he has a cold and you know he's wiping snot off his nose about to give an eye transplant I thought that was a great character. It's damn cold. Uh, Don't worry. You see, I could cut open your chest and sew a dead cat in there. You would never get an infection. Not with the spectrum of antibiotics. I'll be shooting into you. That's comforting. Uh, But you do understand I can't just give you new irises. Uh, Please don't touch. Because the scanners will read the new scar tissue. Alarms will go off and large men with guns will appear. And then probably my favorite of all time uh, is his portrayal of Lucifer and Constantine. Uh, I think that's the best like version of that guy. Oh, Uh, snap. I I haven't seen that, actually. You haven't seen Constantine? No. Like the Keanu Reeves movie? No. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. He plays uh, a very memorable devil in that movie so
0: i gotta check that out because that that seems a role perfect for him for for again that that slippery slimy and again vaguely eastern european uh type uh type affectation i i think that that would be awesome I yeah gotta check that definitely
1: out. definitely my favorite you know on screen satan i guess if we're making that list <laughs> but, but yeah no but, but satan as as we advocate for the devil you're the one so I would come up here to collect myself. Mm-hmm.
0: So I've heard. Sonny, I've got a whole theme
1: park full of red delights for you.
0: Aren't you, Peach? I didn't think you would make the same mistake twice.
1: Right. But I guess the I guess the point we're making is, you know, he, he's great at what he does and kind of playing these sort of like slimy underworld characters. And here in Transformers yeah. Animated, it's, you know, no exception. He's he's this sort of like body altering of alteration, snake oil salesman, fight promoter. Like you get that he's maybe a scientist, but he's more about looks and money. And you just get that all right away from this, you know, this one first glimpse.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially with his uh, aesthetic. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about his outfit as we go, but yeah. he's got like he's got like the hair, but he's also kind of got kind of like the thinning hairline a little bit. But he's got you know like the right. long hair, and of course the the wraparound the uh, sunglasses. Yeah. yeah, it's I mean, again, it's like they, they really put a lot into this dude's character design to really give that visual shorthand of like this dude is a slime ball
1: yeah yeah well and so he's here promoting a fight which you think you know first you just think it's like a commercial for his his business but then you see he's like in a fight promotion he's kind of a weird twist on fan zone where he like also hates machines but he hates machines because he you know wants humans to be a better machine like it's it's kind of the opposite but also the same as fan zone hi there i'm prometheus black and i can transform you but you still not convinced well,
0: then you better watch one of my greatest buy hand success stories in action. You see them every day. They clean your house, they teach your children, and they take your jobs. But tonight, man will triumph over machine in a no home barred fight to the finish. Yeah, I, I had that in my notes, too, because like in, in just a minute here, they they had like, you know, that interaction in that press box where uh, Prometheus Black invites Captain Fanzone to hang out in this in this luxury press box to basically sell the Detroit Police Department on the, this this uh, biomechanical you know, in enhancement that we that, that we see later that, you know, and I, I, I'm getting way too um, ahead of myself because like the, the I, I want to talk about the the uh, beginning of this of this wrestling show. So, yeah. again, th- this is my first time through. So I, I've I've never seen this episode. I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't realize that, like you know, uh, we were getting callbacks to like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie in this one, because that, that was that was that was the, the thing I, I took away with like Prometheus Black as the as the uh, smarmy promoter, and you've got uh, uh, Bumblebee there. Um, whenever I think of superheroes uh, participate participating in wrestling shows. I always think of Spider-Man for some reason, because that that you know that's uh, you know one of his early comic things, and they incorporated that into the first Sam Raimi movie. So I was I was getting like Bruce Campbell vibes from Prometheus Black a little bit. Three minutes in the cage with
1: Bonesaw McGraw. The sum of three thousand dollars will be paid to. What's your name, kid? The Human Spider.
0: The Human Spider. That's it. That's the best you got. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. The sum of $3,000 will be paid to the terrifying, the deadly, the amazing
1: Spider-Man!
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I was, that's not the trajectory of the character goes. But yeah, it's like, what a what a random thing. The snake oil salesman slash wrestling promoter <laughs> right. and, and and a wrestling show that Bumblebee is just randomly participating in. And freaking sorry, there in his corner also. Yeah. And it's like and you see this through the TV as the Autobots are watching it. And like you could barely see sorry in the bottom corner. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, what what is happening here?
1: Yeah, and actually, this is uh, one of my favorite jokes in in this show, and I mean not just this episode, but like this is a a, a running joke they keep calling back. What, which it's it seems like it, like ratchet sets up this joke and bumblebee answers it. So ratchet has a great sub he's like watching the show and he goes what ram damaged programming impaired bot would agree to be in such a degrading spectacle. And then bumblebee rolls in he's like you know ta-da like yeah. <laughs> yeah it's always it's always bumblebee and you'll see that they come back to this joke a lot and I think that's really smart.
0: What ram damaged programming impaired bot would agree to be in such a degrading spectacle. Representing the machines, I give you Bumblebee! (laughs) What?! Hey, good evening, Detroit! This episode is great for paying off jokes. You know, it's like you—you've got no shortage of uh, short jokes, a lot of jokes at Bumblebee's expense, because you know we—we've talked about this already. It's like I'm—I'm I'm already seeing the reclamation project of the focus shifting from Prowl being a dick to Bumblebee being being obnoxious. It's like uh, the more and more I spend with this version of Bumblebee, it's like. <laughs> this this kid's a little twerp.
1: Yeah, right. He's a little stinker. <laughs> it, yeah, he's, he's a little, he's a little stinker. A little Dennis the Menace uh, of the Transformers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He should have, like, a slingshot in his back pocket right, or something. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he's cool. And then his opponent is this guy named Cyrus Colossus Rhodes. And to give another sort of Batman shout out, he's kind of like Bane, right? Like, his abilities are sort of like Bane in that he's like a little old man that, like, blows yeah. up into a, a giant mutant. Uh, strong guy mm-hmm. and i think his character design is like this is something that's also straight out of ben 10 like uh this is very this is very much in fact there's an actual character from the ben 10 show that came out just before this show that looks just like this it's sort of the frankenstein it's got the electrodes on its back uh oh, electric yeah. kind of pumping yeah this is like straight out of that
0: Let's see. So, so Cyrus Colossus Rhodes, uh, voiced by Corey Burton, by the way, you know, uh, uh, doing, doing extra legwork here. And I do, I have a mildly uncomfortable question Mm -hmm. is, is this character designed for Cyrus Rhodes when he's in little old man mode? Is, is that is, is that like a a poor racial stereotype do you think because he's kind of got like the Fu- Manchu mustache it um, oh. I don't I don't know if it would have hit the same way in 2008 but in 2023 it just I I, I don't know it it it, it, hit, it hit me kind of funny but oh I, that's I, interesting
1: yeah I don't know because I've always kind of had this question of like he kind of looks like a little alien like not human and I was always just like are there aliens in this future? Do people not, you know, and then even when he turns into like his mutant, he's still got like kind of inhuman features. Uh, I guess I, yeah, he has a very,
0: he has a very otherworldly texture. Yeah. Or like how
1: much, how much biochemical making over has this guy had done that we don't even know what his original species was.
0: I think that probably says more about the way that, I read things and see things than what is actually there. Um, and and it does it underscore something that I do think is really cool in the character design is the way the mustache is paid off. Because like, you know, when he's in uh, human mode, the handlebar mustaches is, is particularly long And and uh, big. But then when he gets into uh, super mode, you know, it kind of fits his face better. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Put it that way. So I I, I think that's a cool touch. And I I would imagine that that's probably what they're going for more than any kind of um, uh, uncomfortable stereotypes. But yeah, like you said, he's a very alien looking, uh, a very alien looking dude here.
1: I just had an epiphany that when he's in his like bigger humanoid mode his bane mode if you will he looks like my cousin so i need to send my cousin a screenshot of this after the show and be like you look like this dude can't wait that's a lot of fun i'm gonna put that in my notes that's important to me not to the listeners but to me this is top notch.
0: I love it. We, uh, uh, so we talked a little bit earlier about the interaction between Prometheus Black and Captain Fanzone and that they're, they're, they're kind of of a kind. And I, I wanted to talk about the, the sequence here in the press box. And oh, yeah. um, so Fanzone is trying to eat this hot dog. And again, like I, I, I eat a lot of hot dogs and a lot of terrible hot dogs and a lot of stuff that is that is terrible for me. But this hot dog that Fanzone has just does <laughs> not look appetizing at all. It's uh it's not okay. But then like this this little um, uh, friendly robot this little little friendly robot buddy uh, comes over and um what was he say? He's like you know you know please select your condiment or um, or something like that
1: please select your condiment please select your condiment
0: please select your Uh, would you like a napkin this is why i hate machines and fan zone i just i don't is he trying to put mayonnaise on his hot dog (laughs) because like he hits the third button which is a white button there there's a red button a yellow button and a white button and he's going so it's like he, he's doing one of two things. It's, it's either mayonnaise or maybe Captain Fanzone has a, a affinity for the Seattle area. You know, uh, Seattle famous for the Seattle style hot dog where they actually like, you know, put like like grilled onions and stuff and then top it off with a, a lump of cream cheese really why why that is a seattle thing i do not know it's fine i've you know i i've had it a couple times mostly just for novelty purposes it's yes. good i i'm not i'm not no, gonna i want to try bad. this it's, it's
1: grilled onions topped with cream cheese That's correct the recipe so, yeah
0: yes yeah so basically like what happens is like the the grilled onions acts as a as a bed to kind of melt the cream cheese into into the hot dog and it's it's oh. pretty good well, but, see, like all
1: your friends and, and Transformers friends have been telling you this show is for you. It's just for this scene. It's just for the oh Seattle dog shout out. We didn't, and everything else. Forget it. It was just about this hot dog.
0: <laughs> and, and so then uh, so so since he can't get mayonnaise slash uh, cream cheese out of the dispenser. See, it goes I, I, either direction. He just en- ends up getting a handful of uh, mustard
1: in, in, yeah. instead. Um is just a walking FML, right? He's just like, Ugh.
0: <laughs> I I think some of that he brings on himself. You know, he just oh, he yeah. just kind of puts that negativity out in the world, and and the
1: world just kind of pays it back to him. Yeah, he's a self he's self sabotaging. Uh, we can yes. we can analyze this guy uh, through the lens of therapy.
0: And, and it's fascinating too. You know, kind of like the this this undercurrent of anti machine sentiment, and. We've talked about previously how Detroit is now kind of like a utopia, thanks to Sumdac Industries and specifically um, his robots. But it feels like—I mean, it would be interesting to see if this this is explored further. But it really feels like there, there's kind of like a a underbelly or undertone of like, you know what, maybe these machines aren't so great for us. When you see folks like Captain Fanzone and Prometheus Black in the same uh, room talking about their... Um, I don't know. It's like, it's like a Venn diagram of like hating machines or something. Yeah.
1: Well, I thought this was uh, like a really, a smart example of the writing of this show and how we can go back to like, this could have just, I mean, you, we have the setup here, right? We have like a, a robot wrestling match. We have the monster, this whole slide, side plot with sum deck and the, the police contract didn't even need to be there, but this sort of bringing together the idea that, you know, fan zone and Prometheus black are of the same mind in a way. And then, using it to say that prometheus black wants to get the bid for this police contract and that's where his uh i was kind of alluding it to it earlier that's where his kind of uh obsession with being anti-machine comes in because he doesn't want to just get rid of machines he sort of wants like humans to become the machines right he's he's not saying humans are better than machines he's saying i need to make humans better so they can be better than machines so he's that's where he's kind of like the other end of the spectrum from these guys. But I just thought that was really smart writing to to sort of bring those two characters into a room together and then also have this subplot of human versus machine versus superhuman.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's two competing but complementary philosophies that um, um, that kind of thing. So so we we see the outcome of the wrestling match. Bumblebee gets thrown through a wall Uh, sorry, uses
1: her key to repair him drink at home if you're (laughs) playing the game.
0: (laughs) But the thing that, that's, that, that's fascinating and I, I, I wasn't expecting this, but you see bumblebee bleeding and it's like, it, it threw me off where it's like, you know, you come through the, the other side of the Looney tunes hole in the wall and, and there's a, a pool of, of purple. Underneath uh, Bumblebee, i was like, my God! And I'm like, is that Energon? And then you see like his his shoulder wound, and it's like you know there there there's a chunk of his uh, um, plating yeah. taken off, and, and there's like an actual wound there. And right. I I don't know if I've seen a a weeping wound in uh, in Transformers before. I don't I don't know if I, yeah. I really have to think about it. I don't know if I've actually seen somebody bleed Energon before that, that was uh, right. surprising.
1: Well, it's really interesting because uh, it's a little bit of a plot point, right? Because Prometheus black uses the sample of that. He, he needs a sample of this to further the plot of the show, but you're right. They didn't need to do it so graphically, right? They could just uh-huh. be like, Oh, he leaked a little oil. They could have made a a P joke. If we're being honest. Sure. But, sure. Uh, yeah. They did sort of show it kind of graphically this, like this battle wound. It was kind of jarring in this, you know, sort of, yeah, like Looney Tunesy kind of cartoon setting. Uh,
0: before before we uh, move too far in, into the the next motion of the plot, another use of Bumblebee's heelys, which I I really like. Oh yeah, uh, that that that's that that is a trope and a half at this point. I'll I'll be interested to see how extensive um, that is because he does it several times in in this episode where where we see not not just his the The wheels on his feet, but also his uh, I guess they would be the, the the back wheels or the front wheels or or whatever. Like, I mean, I'm talking about that that bit when he's in the elevator and he's using like his yeah. tires in robot mode to push himself. I've, ne- I've right. never seen something like that before. I thought that was really cool. So I I like the use of alt mode bits in robot mode. And I I I mean this this is completely un- unrelated, but like um you know, uh, there, there was some, uh, conversation surrounding favorite transformations. And like, I, I had said something about like the thing that makes transformers unique to other science fiction is using transformation and alt modes for tactical advantage. And I think that that's one thing that the best transformers fiction does well. And yeah, I just, I I just think that's cool. And I, I think that extends to using parts of your alt mode for, uh, for tactical advantage. In this case, it's, it's running around a wrestling ring on, uh, on Healy's.
1: Yeah. Well, I, this is where I think also like the name of the show is very clever and calling it animated and like setting it up as a very cartoony cartoon. Um, this is something you couldn't really do with like a CG model or in the Unicron trilogy where they're kind of using that CGI hybrid or like the Netflix series. I mean, these these characters can become what they need them to, and they can do this cool stuff. It's not very expensive to draw that in a different way. Um, we can get an uh, arm reaching out of Bumblebee when we need to, or, you know, his wheels popping out of someplace to help him out. Uh, I think that's, I just think that's one of the things that's really great about this show. And I'm really glad they did it in this style uh, more and more seeing how they're, you know, it'd be one thing if they're like, we're just going to draw it in this kind of weird animation style, but we're not going to like celebrate the, the vehicle mode stuff, but they really found a way to like, utilize that, that design aesthetic to these, to these situations, a lot of action, I guess, maybe another way to say it that we don't normally get out of this.
0: It's so dynamic and so much fun. Like, like, I don't think this would have the same um, punch in 3d like you know you know we, we can't slip into a tangent but take something like transformers earth spark that that is a 3d cg show that does have a, have a lot of kinetic action in fact i would say arguably some of the very best transformers action scenes ever yeah but but there is a difference between that kinetic action and this stuff where where you can have like you know the exaggerated drawings that that's literally a cartoon you yeah. know and and like in the truest sense of the word where it's like you know you can uh, mess around with like shape and perspective and and not be so burdened with having to fully animate every bit of transformation it's like you know we've talked about like the you know the the tasmanian devil tom and jerry type of thing and and um that being a criticism of mine before i watched the show but now it's it's so economical that i would think it would actually be exhausting to watch every single transformation be a full transformation sequence uh for, for for lack of better term it's it's um it's it's really great fun. Um I I do also like uh during this fight uh where uh, um I, I think it's uh, yeah, it would have to be Cyrus Rhodes where it's like uh what are you yellow stand and fight what are you yellow
1: well duh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a little it, bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, a nice nice line there and it, it's uh it, it's very much a a back to the future 2 moment there. It's like, what are you chicken what's wrong McFly chicken
1: (laughs) what did you call me Griff chicken McFly (laughs) (laughs) yeah so well okay so big takeaways from this scene is that uh Autobots collectively start making short jokes about Bumblebee like they make this feel like this is a running joke uh mm-hmm. all, all everybody's in on it like i don't think optimus laughs at it but like ratchet prowl like everybody's into the short <laughs> jokes on bumblebee good thinking prowl way to cut him down to size <laughs> next time use your head find your
0: foe's weakness and strike there if you can reach it all
1: right i get it because i'm short
0: what? I'm just busting your bumpers a little, buddy.
1: Yeah, why does it have to be little, buddy? Why can't it just be buddy?
0: Watch with him? Uh, he's just mad because
1: he came up a little short. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, now you are doing it on
1: purpose. And then the other big takeaway from it, too, is that, uh, as we kind of alluded to, Prometheus Black grabs a sample of that fluid that Bumblebee leaves behind.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: And, you know, and then... You know, next scene, we see him kind of using it to synthesize like this new sort of corrosive substance that he's working on, because I think he's pissed, right? Like he's been at this point, he's been beaten by machines like the machines have proved that they're better than his, you know, his superhuman. It's sort of like uh, it almost kind of throws back to like Episode Two Clone Wars feel where like the separatists are using the droid armies and then we're using clones and there's this you know, this sort of legislature of like clones are better because they can think and they're human and they're stronger and blah, blah. But like robots yeah. are great because they're, you know, they follow orders and they're metal and all this stuff. And now he's like, oh, yeah, they are metal. Like, <laughs> we do need to do something about that.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's and, and this quickly becomes a super villain origin like like you know we, we've talked about this before you know the 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 thing that i think sets tfa apart from other transformers uh fiction is that there are actual super villains and here you get like a straight up marvel comics super villain origin story here in the in the uh, um, transformation yeah. um of uh prometheus black
1: clearly mere physical strength is not enough to defeat these machines However, by combining the Autobots fluid sample with my steroids, I have discovered, as they say, a chink in the armor, thus ensuring the superiority of my biotech over Sumdac's robotics.
0: Uh, We we were talking about the uh, presentation of the new uh, Sumdac Industries, uh, Sumdac Systems uh, uh, police drones. And, and it's so funny because like Isaac Sumdak is, it's, he seems to be very proud of these new drones, but the folks that are there for this unveiling seem, uh, they, they seem very <laughs> bored and, yeah. and apathetic, which, which is kind of interesting. But then there's this, um what is it? He's talking about like, I don't know, like, like the, the, the tracking system or something like that. And Isaac Sumdak says something about it it would, it would prevent a reoccurrence of that unfortunate incident with the captain's wife um, just before the, the, the drone explodes. Um, Not only is it larger and faster, but it also has improved recognition software. So we don't have a repeat of that unfortunate incident with the captain's wife. What? what i mean that i mean that that's a neat little bit of world building that does right. not get paid off later but what i mean is is there a mrs Fanzone? was she like you know murdered by a police drone robot like yeah this
1: is- no i wrote that down too because it's such a weird thing because i don't as far as i can remember i don't think we ever see fan wife ever again i don't think it's mentioned i'm trying to think there might even be like a day in the life of fan episode but like you know i don't there's no miss fan zone so this is quite the incident and even at the end of that scene i still want to talk about this scene a little bit more but at yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of that scene cool. when some deck you know after everything goes to hell uh he goes my my regards to your wife captain this is why i hate machines oh dear
0: it wasn't supposed to do that i, I am so sorry call us when you get those bugs
1: worked out my regards to your wife captain and it's such a weird line because it's almost like a dig, right? Like it's sort of like, you know, give your wife my regards. You know, <laughs> like there's just sort of a uh, a weird delivery of that. I it's, probably wouldn't have mentioned. I would probably wouldn't have brought it up at all. It, it's so
0: weird. It's, but yeah, you're right. It's weirdly bookend. So, so I I would imagine that the implication is uh, is she's still alive. But, but I, I mean, th- this raises more questions than it answers. I. Yeah. I just don't understand because I was, um, I mean, thanks for bringing up that, that, um, that reference from Isaac Sumdak there, but like, I'm sure this is intentional. So this takes place in Detroit, in the future, and you have a very ed 209 RoboCop looking police drone. Yeah. I'm sure that is intentional. I'm sure it's like, wait a sec, we're in Detroit in the future. Let's really see if we can RoboCop this up, you know, like in terms right. of like imagery and, and maybe it's like, it's a little bit of trying to get some of that, that Paul Verhoeven satire. I I'm, I'm not really yeah. sure, but well, that I'm- actually
1: makes sense because the the Prometheus Black commercial in itself is sort of like those fake commercials that uh, you see in RoboCop and and, and other Paul Verhoeven uh, yeah. joints, as it were. Red alert! Red alert! Red alert! You crossed my line of death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile.
0: Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nuke'em. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers.
0: They say 20 seconds in the
1: California sunshine is too much these days. Ever since we lost the ozone layer. But that was before
0: Sunblock 5000. Just apply a pint to your body. You're good for
1: hours. See you by the pool. Sunblock 5000. Protection for the new age. Uh, Holy those, smokes, you're right. Yeah, there's kind of a. Uh, so I guess my question coming out of it was like, is this just something like, is the writer a fan of? RoboCop and that sort of genre and wanted to bring it in? Or was there some thought of like, Oh, it'd be really because now all I'm picturing is that actual scene in RoboCop. What if there was like a fan zone in there? Like, that's why I hate freaking machines after the guy gets like thrown out the window. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, and, and unfortunately
0: my, my mind went to a darker place when, when some says uh, the unfortunate incident with the captain's wife, I'm just like, Oh my God, did she get like, like boardroom murder
1: just like yeah (laughs) yeah is this is this like police joint 2.0 like (laughs) are we seeing like please put down your weapon you have 20 seconds to comply
0: I think you'd better do what he says Mr. Kenny (laughs) you now have
1: 15 seconds to comply you are in direct violation of Title Code One Thirteen Section Nine. You now have five seconds to comply. Four, three, two, one. I am not to physical force. Terrifying!
0: <laughs> terrifying!
1: <laughs> but you know, we could. It it is kind of a weird line, but maybe. Maybe it's also, even if they don't come back to it, maybe it's also hinting at a reason for now this kind of makes sense. Like, is this the reason uh, that he hates machines so much? Now we know that there was something very serious in his past yeah. that uh, makes him, you know, like this fans don't like this uh, towards machines. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's where it came in. i I was thinking of it like a weird line, but maybe it's sort of developing his character a little bit.
0: So as, as we talked about, uh, earlier where we're uh, getting the variety of short jokes at bumblebee's expense. and there there's there's this terrific um, little moment where it's like you know everybody's getting in on it. you know it's like you know ratchets being impatient. Uh, bulkhead is is being shitty about it and and the, like there's this there, there's this whole thing where like ratchets talk about like oh i need to run some tests it's only going to be a few hours and bumblebee's impatient bulkheads like yeah his attention span is short too <laughs> and, <laughs> and then and then prowl out of nowhere is like yeah, apparently so is his fuse and, <laughs> and and they do like this 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 quiet Just high five. I'd like to run some more tests. It should only take a few hours. That long?
1: His attention span is short, too. I heard that. Apparently, so is his fuse.
0: Oh, the ninja bot gets in a good one. Who knew he had it in him?
1: Yeah. Aren't you supposed to be the strong silent type? Emphasis on the silent.
0: Like, I I just thought that that was, like, such such a terrific moment one for, for uh, a bulkhead and prowl to kind of have that moment together. But um, again, I I think one of the themes of this podcast is, is going to be me witnessing the, the reclamation of prowl um, yeah. a reclamation of the character of prowl where, because I mean, again, it's like prowl is a dick and, and again, you've, you said this, Michael Anders. It's like, I, I said, why is Prowl a dick? And you said, so he could be not a dick later. Yeah. And, and we're it's, already it seeing by it. that. I, I I love it. it, it it's uh, uh, su- such a cool moment. Yeah. yeah. I was going to uh, say,
1: uh, you know, as much as I hate humor uh, that has to do with like body image and, you know, kind of body shaming, uh, Bumblebee is kind of a little shit and we've already seen him <laughs> giving a lot of shit to his, his teammates. So uh, it is kind of, cool to see them. Like they're a little fed up with it. Right. They've kind of had enough and now they're going to take some digs at him.
0: Well, I mean, and it's been back to back episodes of Bumblebee being obnoxious, you know, who knows what the passage of time between episodes is, but yeah, it's like this feels like it's the byproduct of escalation with being impatient with, with, uh, with Bumblebee.
1: Yeah. And then I guess kind of another little, scene that I wanted to point out too. I don't want to miss over it, is that we also meet um, Pete Porter C. Powell, which is uh Sumdex rivalry. He's sort of like this disco stew science version of <laughs> Sumdack, but uh, I think he's cool. I, I actually like this character and this character design a lot. Um, and he's sort of like where he's the foil of Sumdeck. Sumdax wants to build these machines and and better mankind. Porter C Powell's all about profit. And I think it's interesting that he's voiced by Bumper Robinson, uh, which is also the voice of Bumblebee in this show. So that's kind of a cool little, you got to see some more double duty. Yeah. I've actually have a lot more to say about Bumper Robinson, but there's a, there's a good Bumblebee episode coming up later that I want to talk about him more in.
0: Um, You get another uh, transform and roll out from, uh, from Optimus Prime later, which I, I, I I always like that transform and roll out um and I think we also get another uh uh Sailor Moon speed lines transformation uh sequence which is which is fine because like this uh you know and we we talked about this uh pretty extensively in 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 the other episode and I wasn't as hot on it here I think it really plays because it instead of being filler it's it's a emphasis point of like okay now we're gonna go do the superhero thing you know it's yeah. it's 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 a gear up um uh, type of uh type of scene and totally or or even like you know when uh when voltron combines or something like that it's like you know th- this this one i i haven't always been hot on these these types of scenes but i i thought this one was uh, uh particularly effective i i liked it
1: oh totally yeah, yeah, definitely. Um moving on to or going back to, I guess, however you want to say it, we're we're talking about uh Prometheus Black. Now he's kind of like this is sort of his supervillain origin story. And uh, and this is where I want to bring up Rich Fogel, the writer, because now we're getting into the scene where he's like experimenting with this goo, and you know, it burns him. This is a very like joker. So oh, th- there's yeah. a lot of like Batman references here uh because the the origin of this character that Prometheus Black becomes is is sort of like the Joker, but the animation of the character he becomes. Mike, do you remember Clayface from Batman the Animated Series?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, this and is
1: that same animation almost.
0: Yeah, very much so, and and it's uh you almost get uh some Mister Freeze vibes also.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and then and then you mentioned it, too, at the top of uh, the Batman Beyond reference. He he kind of, you know, embodies Blight. Right. The main yes. villain from that show. And uh, but anyways, I guess I hope this is a big enough spoiler, but Rich Fogel uh, wrote for Batman Beyond. So he he's basically wrote a lot of Batman Beyond, including those pilots where we meet Blight. So I wonder if this is sort of his, you know, nod to that character.
0: Oh, it very well could be. I yeah. I, I like that. I, I, I think that would be uh, super cool. And and I think now would be as good a time as any to talk about the overall aesthetic of uh the character of Prometheus Black now meltdown. And you you had said something earlier in, in the early goings of the episodes where we were talking about the overall design aesthetic and costumes and and you were talking about like you know uh, uh flared collars and go-go boots and you know bell bottoms and yeah. and and i was like uh, uh, yeah i guess i'm seeing some of that this is the episode where i was like oh this is what michael andrews was talking about the whole time because i mean This this character design rules. I mean, you got you got like the the full Elvis collar. You've got the platform shoes. You've got the bell bottoms, as well as all of like the cool gooey meltdown bits, and and uh, and a little bit of armor as well. It's a it's a it's a really 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 cool character design
1: yeah uh he's he very svelte and they they did a good job of like this is this is the vanity incarnate right this character and then what he becomes i think it's a great character because what he becomes is this kind of gross monster it's the exact opposite of what everything that he believes in and his looks and in his clothes and all that thing but he also achieves what he wants to do because he becomes like the, the ultimate like superhuman Mm -hmm. Right. Like he's, you know, he's really got the powers and the abilities that he wanted. But, yeah, he has to look like this gross slime acid clay monster. Mm -hmm.
0: Also now fully manifested as a a supervillain, Meltdown just casually murders this robot receptionist. I am here for Isaac Sondack. You have an appointment, mister? The name is Meltdown.
1: that was yeah uh, i was gonna ask do you think it's i the animation here got me a little bit because is it like a gas when he wants to like shoot an a corrosive gas or is it like are we did he like slimer with the acid like it kind of looked like he gassed her
0: i took it as slime but it it's i either Way whether it's corrosive gas, or yeah, I'd have to watch it again to see if he's actually like projecting goo onto this uh, uh, receptionist. Um, because I got I, the
1: I got, yeah, I got the vibe of like the aliens and signs, you know, yeah. the little thing on, it's like tss, you know, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it felt like to me. That's interesting.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to give it a, um, another look, see and, and let let folks on socials, uh, fight it out as well. It's like, it's like, uh, gas or
1: goo. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a Twitter poll. You can, is it gas or goo? <laughs> how, uh, how does,
0: how does the receptionist robot eat shit? Is it gas or goo vote in our Twitter poll? Right.
1: right. This is the important <laughs> content we're, we're putting out there. Uh, but, but either way, yeah, he gasses the secretary, uh, meltdowns on his war path to find uh Sumdak. um and i and i want to bring this up too this is a small point but like i like Sumdac's office i'm really into that carpet i don't know if you remember the carpet but it's like this weird like uh long runner carpet with like a uh, neon green jelly bean type thing and on a oh, black okay. background i thought that was a really cool animation notes Yes, but anyways, this is what gets him into the building. And this is another big, important plot point because the the building itself, Sumdac Tower, goes into like a panic room mode and puts up a sonic field around the building. And this is, yeah, this is basically like a panic room for Sumdac, right? Like no one can get in or out, but... uh, And and Ratchet makes a point to be like, well, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like now we can't get in to help you. What was the (laughs) purpose of this? What the spark was that?!
0: A force field. When the tower's under attack, it goes into auto defense mode. What a dumb design. If your dad's in trouble, how are we supposed to get inside to save him?
1: So the Sonic field, uh, you know, it's an important part of the show, but it starts by going up around the building and the Autobots are outside scrapping with Colossus, who's still around. Yeah, and And he's quite the opponent for them. Like they're really they're pinned down by a truck. This is like... This is Bayhem, right? Like they're pinned down. They're getting knocked into bell towers. All this stuff is happening. And Ratchet kind of finds a way in. He has to use his electromagnets to like open a hole in this force field, this panic room force field that's gone up around the building. And unfortunately, it can only fit uh, Bumblebee through before Big Butt Bulkhead blocks it
0: i I have a note in dump truck ass exclamation point (laughs)
1: right right but something that also happens important in this scene is that they learn that that bell tower blocks the powers of colossus uh cyrus rhodes character Mm -hmm. and it's how it's how they finally defeat him because there's like a sonic resonance thing that goes along with this church bell um this giant church bell that they put over him and so this is going to be a throwback to the end of uh a great moment. I won't say the end of the episode, but it's a great moment coming up, uh, with Optimus thinking his trick's gonna work twice.
0: Exactly. Well and, and another accidental Sam Raimi Spider-Man reference. You know, it yeah. because that that's that's how uh Venom is defeated in, in the much maligned Spider-Man three is you know, through uh literally like in in a church bell tower. So it's like right. I couldn't I haven't watched those movies recently. I don't know why that's top of mind for me, but that that's uh, that, that's kind of where my where my mind went.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, if you're keeping track of the references, we have a Bane reference, we have a Joker reference, a Blight reference, a Clayface reference, now a Spider, like there has yeah. to be some sort of, and then we know the writer of the show wrote for a lot of like Batman and and DC properties and probably comic book properties. So mm-hmm. I think there's definitely something there to it.
0: I also like this, this a uh, little bit, it happened uh, um, a little bit ago, but like one uh, you know, Colossus is, is definitely a threat, but there's the, there's this thing earlier in the episode where Prowl is talking about, you know, oh, you, you just, you just got to find the weak spot, you know, and like that just yeah. does not work this time. I, I do like that um, even though Prowl is being reclamated in, in a lot of ways. He's still kind of an arrogant prick. And I, I do kind of like when he gets a little bit of that hubris where it's like, oh shit, that doesn't work. Does it? The boss reinforced that little weak spot.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. I also want to mention this scene where like Meltdown is actually threatening some deck because this is a really interesting scene. There's some great line. First of all, there's some great lines by Meltdown here, right? He takes some, he's some really like verbose and eloquent eloquence. Mm-hmm. When you screw up the word "eloquent," you know you're in trouble. Um, but he takes some digs at some deck, uh, you know, and it—it it kind of they're kind of based on looks. You know, he's calling him a nerd and a geek and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I am smarter, better looking, and more educated than you, and yet everything you touch turns to gold, while everything I
0: touch—just look at me. I'm a freak. But I refuse to be beaten by some simpering nerd who merely
1: got lucky. And you can, it's definitely a, going back to that vanity, how he thinks these things are important to him. And he's like, look at you. Like, he's like, get on a Peloton or something, this guy.
0: Well, and 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 he uh, makes it a point also where it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, you, you just, you just got lucky. And it's like, well, you know, look at me, you know, look at you, that, that, that that kind of thing where it's like, like you were saying, you know, a, a very more fixated on looks and aesthetics. Like, you know, he's a full on supervillain, but he's more concerned about his own. Like he's, he's like, look at me, you know, throws, throws the, the goo against the wall there.
1: Right. I And I think, I think that's so another really smart writing moment because even though he's coming at this from sort of like a, I'm better looking than you, I should be the one that's getting ahead he really hits on a point that stings Sumdack. And there's a moment where Sumdac just like is taken aback by it because he says, like you said, he said he's refused to be beat by a Supreme nerd who got lucky. And that's when Sumdac kind of like has a jolt because deep down Sumdac deck notes that all of this is based on, he was the kid in the cornfield at the right time. Right? Like, so that moment, obviously meltdown didn't know he was hitting on that, but that was just, I think that's a cool level of character that, you know, that you probably wouldn't care about when writing a normal cartoon show. That's a level of like grown up, grown ass uh, adult TV writing yeah. that I really appreciate.
0: Yeah. Who is the show for? It's for everybody. Cause yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean again, we can't call it out enough. Just, just the writing is just so goddamn smart in this show. Nothing is wasted.
1: Right, right. Well, and then so Bumblebee gets in. Uh, he's coming to the rescue. And then we see that scene that you were talking about earlier that you liked, where he like goes up the elevator shaft using yeah. his wheels.
0: Someone used acid on that cable. But it'll take more than that to stop yours truly.
1: Going <laughs> up! Uh, which is a very cool scene. But then they do succeed in rescuing Bumblebee. Does succeed in rescuing Sumdac, and then I wrote down the Italian Job, their way out of Sumdac Tower, and it was oh my god, yes, (laughs) right? It's like it's like the little Mini Cooper going down the stairs uh, to get out of the building. I thought that was so cool. I don't know if that was a direct reference to Italian Job or if that was just hey, we got to get him out of the building somehow. But I really appreciated it.
0: So this is kind of the part where Sari is trying to actually kind of use her key correctly but not doing it well like i mean like she's using it what what it's intended for but she like makes the 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 force field smaller and kind of you get you get some real pressed ham there on the on the on that s- sweet thick dump truck ass on, uh, <laughs> on on bulkhead there either i'm getting bigger or this thing's getting smaller sorry stop you're making it stronger
1: right 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 yeah yeah so he's, he's stuck inside there uh but eventually eventually the bots do get in yeah. uh along with them and and uh optimus brings the church bell with him because he thinks this is what i was saying he's gonna get he thinks this is gonna work twice right yep. uh so he he like uses that to clamp down meltdown but this another great ratchet line because he goes guess you didn't get the memo about the acid that melts through anything now it's your turn. I don't think so. There. That should hold him.
0: Guess you didn't get the memo about the acid that melts through anything? Fools! Nothing can hold me!
1: <laughs> like, that was such a great uh, grandpa schools, the kids moment. I really appreciate that. is
0: Awesome. In this episode. Yeah. You know, I, you know, we, we, we talked about it way back at the beginning, but I'm going to have to find a way to incorporate Ram damage into, into my yeah. vocabulary. Cause that is just a, just a great salty old man exclamation. I, yeah. I, I really, I'm like right up there with like turbo Rev and young punk, you know, the, right. That kind of right.
1: Stuff. Oh, I, I have to wonder if that wasn't, you know in the back of someone's head that that line of dialogue from cup when they're writing ratchet because that had that feel of that of like ram damaged all yeah you know like yeah yeah, yeah.
0: And, and and again more stuff for me which is right. which is great i i do like you know one one of my favorite weapons in this show is optimus prime's axe and I, I I love that it's just got like this like switchblade quality to it like he he pops it out and then it like folds out. But I have in my note, Prime would like to axe you a few questions as <laughs> as he goes after the uh, uh the church bell. I didn't want want that to pass by as 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 meltdown literally melts through the bell there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that that axe is cool, and I love that it's like rocket powered to like help his swing. That is such like a full on anime trope of like. Yep. A big oversized rocket powered ah, kind of weapon. Yep. Uh, it's it's very cool. And it's it's a staff, you know, it pole vaults him when he needs to it. Like there's a lot that they're doing with the abilities of that axe that I appreciate. Suggestions on how to stop him? Hey, how about using the one thing that stopped us? Hurry! The auto defense field! Gotcha!
0: so meltdown is uh ultimately defeated by the the uh combination of combo attack of uh uh sorry using the key in the right slot to activate the the force shield and with uh uh what what does he do uh, like does ratchet use like his magnet powers here or something but he does something like with the field once once it's activated
1: yeah ratchet the ratchet's like patched into the field and sorry like sends it through his electromagnets so it like charges up his electromagnet hand weapons to create a force field around meltdown like putting in its own little in its own little bubble and i love it because well a, i love ratchet but i also i think of all their little handheld weapons i love uh, Ratchet's electromagnets. Yeah, and I also love this scene specifically because it reminds me of Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, mm. when Ratchet puts all like the the parts onto Jolt. Like, there's like an interfacing here where Jolt in the movie interfaces with Ratchet, and they use that to like electromagnet all the parts from Jetfire onto Optimus to create Jet Optimus. The conclusion of the movie. So gotcha. I'm just, I guess, my joy from this show is like. All the little things that are sort of like precursors to um Revenge of the Fallen, because obviously that came out a couple years after this show. Right. But the wheeled feet, you know, is like the sideswipe thing from the movie. Um, this little scene. Like there's all these little things that I don't know, maybe subconsciously affected choices for the masterpiece that is Revenge of the Fallen.
0: Well, <laughs> and and surely that movie was either in full production or at least pre-production. I mean, like when, when, when did this air, uh, February of 2008 and revenge of the fallen came out. What sometime in 2009, if I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, I mean, surely, um, th- there's gotta be some kind of like cross pollinization somewhere. Yeah. Or um, like someone was
1: coming in watching dailies and being like, Hey, you know this, we got this guy with wheel feet. Do you, do you need a, do you have a wheel feet guy there?
0: right or or conversely the other direction I, li- I like my version better where it's like they they watch like the 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 yeah <laughs> the, uh, they're watching the wrestling match and say like oh hey bumblebee's like really going quick on those Heelys there what if what if we put that on a live action character
1: yeah <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> uh i also what, another great ratchet line here when he got when he has meltdown in the in the globe he says oh my gosh, i say no. let him stew in his own juices like Isolate that sound bit, because that is a great line. You
0: can't melt what you can't touch. I say, let him stew in his own juices. Yeah, well, and, and he's literally like, you know, I I, I was, you know, cause I, I don't know how many of these super villains like recur. Um, but like, I was actually like kind of concerned as this, this force field bubble, is filling with like meltdown juice. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's gonna drown himself in his yeah. own corrosive acid. It's like, because yeah. it's already like, I mean, I, I I'm trying to remember if he's if he's experiencing pain from being exposed to his own acid or not. But either way, he's he's not having a great time of it. He's he's right. really kind of suffering in in that bubble.
1: Yeah, and it is kind it, of a dark dark ending for the character, and then a dark line from. Ratchet from the doctor character, right? Yeah. Let him stew in his own. And, you know, that could have been delivered a lot more funny, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I said, let him, you know, let him stew in his own. Like, it was dark. (laughs) Like, there was this gravelly, like, I'm pissed, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the difference, too. You know, it's like, you know, uh, inflection and line delivery is important. Like, you know, on the, on the page, you know, what, what, what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning, same thing as everything else, you know, that, that, that line kind of kills on paper, but when, uh, um, Halle Berry doesn't quite get the inflection right, it's, uh, it, it doesn't work. Right. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I like that, you know, he's, he's mad ratchet is mad when when uh when he's saying that
1: well and i I love the idea of ratchet this is also why i liked the more than meets the Eye lost light version of ratchet there's something cool about that like yes he is a doctor but he's also seen a lot of shit and he's not really a doctor anymore there is side of him that's just you know it's the danny glover i'm sick of this i'm too old for this shit you know like yeah he, he wants he just let's get through it however possible let's just do what needs to be done
0: well, and he wears his trauma. Um, uh, I was gonna say on his sleeve, but not exactly. But he has like the broken chevron on 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 his crest there. Yeah. So that's like part of his character design. And you know, we, we um, like Cup in Transformers the movie. He does have kind of like some like extra lines on his face, and yeah, mean, so things
1: so- and dents of time worn on. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, so it's, 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 it's right there on front street that, you know, he's just wearing his age and trauma and, and his grouchiness. And it's interesting because like I, I've, I've compared ratchet TFA ratchet to bones McCoy from star Trek and, and, and and that I, I still believe that, but the thing that's interesting that, that makes those characters a little different is that bones doesn't necessarily carry his trauma around with him where whereas ratchet every line he says has that undercurrent of like this is why i am the way that i am where whereas whereas leonard mccoy is just a grouch you know kind yeah. of like a like an old frontier doctor that that kind of thing you know well, this is dog, where i think bones it's, kind of thing
1: right this is where i think there's that really smart level of uh, of adult tv writing going on because at some point they said hey here's the thing that happened that's going to motivate everything your character says and does you know it's mm-hmm. not just do a goofy voice and then we'll write a good episode for you later this is like you know what's in your past in every line you say make sure there's some sort of tragedy mm-hmm. um, i mm-hmm. think that's so cool and recently i just re-watched the jj abrams 2009 star trek and God, I love Bones in that movie. Like, what oh, yeah. a great delivery for that character.
0: Well, and and Carl Urban just is, is oh, terrific in that role. Fantastic. I mean, it's amazing, and and it's like it. Uh, much like a lot of the other, uh, performances in, in that movie. I mean, I, I, I love that J.J. Abrams movie because like it basically like, so I, I'm, I'm Blade the Daywalker. I can walk between worlds. I am both a Star Trek fan <laughs> and a Star Wars fan. So it's like, I, I don't even mess around with that, you know, which, which is better discourse yeah, because I, I, same. I love them both for, for very, you know, different reasons and things like that. But like, the the thing that i like about the jj abrams movie is that it made the star trek characters which are terrific archetypal characters and makes them approachable for a contemporary audience yeah and 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 i like that basically he made a star trek movie that that's a star wars
1: movie Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That was his uh, resume for doing Star Wars, right?
0: Absolutely. They're like, what if we have this guy do a Star Wars movie for real? Because basically Star Trek 2009 is basically a Star Wars movie starring the, the original uh, Star Trek cast, which, which I think is great. But I was going to say with, with the uh, uh, performances is like, I, I like that they're evocative without being outright imitation, I um, I've heard criticism of the Carl Urban performance saying it's like, Oh, it's basically a Saturday night live skit. And I, I don't agree with that. I don't share that theory, but no. I, I do like that. It very much evokes the spirit of what uh, DeForest Kelly was doing with that. It's just, just the, the, this cantankerous old uh, sawbones. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I need to watch that movie again. I saw you tweeting about it. It's while awesome. We were, while yeah. I and a lot of people letter.
1: have responded to that tweet. I mean, I barely ever get anyone talking to me on Twitter and that tweet has drummed up. A, I guess maybe people haven't seen it in a while or they're coming back around to it, but
0: well, well, Pluto TV themselves liked that and, and interacted yeah, yeah. with you. They said, they hope you feel better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that oh. was
0: really sweet.
1: I know we're here sponsored by Tubi, of course, but yes, uh, course. I really love Pluto TV. TV. Like I can't say enough good things about Pluto TV. Well, is and they Pluto- often do, they often do like a, like the two back to back revenge of the fallen and dark of the moon, like little mini marathon. So oh, man, they're Transformers fans weird. too.
0: That, that That's a real Michael Andrews double feature there. Good oh, Lord. and they,
1: I guess the other big thing, they have a whole channel of Transformers. It's called Transformers TV and they just play, you know, various episodes of Transformers from all throughout history uh, yeah. All day long, twenty four seven. Very, very cool.
0: I, I, I've dipped in a couple times. You know that I've, 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 I've watched a little bit of TFP. I don't know if I've caught a TFA episode, and if I did, I would turn it off immediately for for oh, yes. uh, not sure. not having a secret <laughs> spoilers. Uh, it's like, oh my god, what is happening?
1: Right. <laughs> um,
0: um. But yeah. yeah. So, so so to kind of wrap cap off this uh uh this episode here, there there is this little coda with. Uh, you know, uh, Ratchet and Prime being, uh, complimentary to, uh, Bumblebee, you know, for, for being courageous. And, uh, you know, even, even Bulkhead kind of has this mea culpa moment. Yeah, maybe I was giving you a little too much shit. But then, but then Bumblebee, this, this, this Dennis the Menace motherfucker, he, he's just like, he's like, what is it? It's like, I'm small, but I'm scrappy. And, and I, I think when I said way earlier in the episode, I, I talked about cartoon aesthetics and and you had said something about you know animated in that it's truly animated this sequence where bumblebee is transforming back and forth and zipping around and you could even see like the shape of his car mode flexing as yeah. as he's going that that's the stuff that i had in my mind when we were um when we were talking about that earlier in the episode big help you were kid. Why didn't you just draw a big bullseye over that oversized chest plate of yours? I gotta admit, kid, for a little bot, you got a great
1: big spark. You showed a lot of courage taking that hit for bulkhead. Sorry about yanking your crankcase. I was just having a little fun. Little? Did you say little? No! Uh, I mean yeah! No, but I didn't mean I may be small, but I'm scrappy!
0: And I can run circles around your big old rusty chassis! You know, I got major skills. He's going to be impossible to live with now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Big time.
1: I go like this. And I be all like this. Right. Yeah. And I guess it's really we should mention that all those short jokes pay off because Bumblebee's, you know, size is what allows him to kind of you know, maneuver about this building and be the only one in there and do what needs to get done. So, so again, with the nothing wasted theme, like there is that moment of, yeah, we're sorry, we made fun of you and you got to use your smallness for good. So I like that.
0: Exactly. And, and the thing that I like about Transformers Animated, the, the stuff that I've seen so far is it's, um, I I don't know if it's reductive to call it wholesome, because I, I don't know if that's exactly what I mean, but the the fact that there are um lessons and themes and it and it kind of reminds me of those you know kind of like throwback cartoons where it's like you know everybody learns a lesson during this adventure
1: yeah or like full house right it's almost like it ends like an episode of full house or you know step by step or something like that
0: and 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 it's not it's not cheap it's not cheesy and and it's earned it's like yeah you know maybe don't judge somebody by their size you know and and that's and and even oh actually you know and you couple this with the uh meltdowns vanity you know you talked a lot about you know um uh not having much uh tolerance for uh body shaming and you know picking on somebody's appearance i think that's in this also in addition to the so yeah it's this is a real uh don't judge a book by its cover type of thing because you know uh um Prometheus Black was, you know, basically all about vanity and aesthetic and appearance, and look what happened to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look where you got got to say (laughs) put it. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, I just uh, again getting you know now that we're a couple episodes into this show, um, did you did you think we'd be talking about these layers uh, of you know depth in in something called Transformers Animated that was like no no Looney Tunes of Transformers.
0: Not even a little because yeah, it's like, you know, I've, I've, I've said this already. So apologies for, for repetition, but, um, yeah, I, the, the aesthetic put me off. I thought it was too cartoony and I just figured that's what it was. It's like, we're doing a dumbed down, uh, cartoon for children that might not be able to enjoy the live action movies. Right. And, and it, it, it's anything but. Exactly. And well, and I was going to say there are shades of that, not the dumbed down part, but like this is a, what I would say a suitable all ages alternative to uh, folks like let, let's say I'm uh, between seven and 10 in 2007. When, when transformers 2007 comes out, I think that, I mean, I I hate to, to sound like such like a boomer grump, but I think, the thing with the live action transformers movies. And I, I feel this way about like the, the, uh, PG 13 Marvel movies as well, is I think that the content has skewed so mature, trying to cater to adult audiences like us that you kind of forget that like comics are supposed to be for kids also that transformers is supposed to be for kids also so the thing i've said uh numerous times it's like this this is this is terrific all ages content i don't feel that it's condescending to kids but i i also feel like it's rewarding for adult audiences in a way that I never would have imagined. I I just I I never thought we would have been talking about like themes of you know uh, uh, hubris in 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 a in a cartoon.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but then again, That's I good. guess I guess I shouldn't be surprised because you know we, we talked so much about other stuff like Batman the Animated Series. I mean that that had. Um, oh, and Batman Beyond, you know, and, and those had very mature, complex themes in those as well. So I don't know why I'm so surprised that that style of storytelling is still prevalent in this. If, if, if that makes sense. It's like, I, I, I'm surprised, but now I'm surprised that I'm surprised.
1: Yeah, well and and it it's kind of interesting going back to what we we're talking about at the top of the show uh, what Marty Eisenberg said about Sam Register, um the producer of the show. He said that their approach was quote a new approach, a character-based approach, a fun approach. So they are they were aiming for that from the beginning, but they got, you know, a showrunner and a show like Marty Eisenberg who really takes, you know, he, he he's old school right he breaks down the character he knows what makes a good like sequel a good season two like he's taking all that into account i think now a lot of cartoons are written by just like what can we do it and what can we do in 10 minutes like what can be wacky for 10 minutes and and chaotic and spastic and and this is like we got lucky because it's like an old school approach here to this right yeah,
0: yeah I, absolutely um, so as as we get closer to uh, closing out, uh, one, uh, one, one random thing from from the trivia that that caught my eye that I didn't really put together until it was pointed out. Uh, this is the first episode to not feature any Decepticons.
1: Oh yeah, barely even noticed. But you're right, <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. Well, and and I, I it's so funny because like when I saw that, I was like that can't be right. So I went back to the previous episode because I was like, no, that that was that, you know, you had uh you had Angry Archer and and uh, I'm like, oh, well, you got Megatron's head, so I guess that, that Yeah, Yeah,
1: correct. that, that correct.
0: counts. So
1: yeah, I was well, along with that, I was going to ask uh put, t- before I get to my preview haiku. Yes. I got a good one. Um, what's your, what's your, uh, you know, your G1 score on this one. What did you, how does this one like as a standalone transformers property or how is it sort of Easter eggy and, and related to the original source material?
0: You know, it's, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, my, my, my score is probably going to be puzzling and, uh, uh, polarizing. I, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go straight down the middle and I'm gonna give this like a five out of 10. Or like what's okay. what's our scale? Is it out of ten or is it? Yeah, out it's of out of ten. Okay, so five so is I'm,
1: a rookie score. You gotta give it like a five-o, five-one minus. Correct. Yeah. Give the so Olympic score. <laughs> I,
0: I'm I'm um I am gonna go the other direction then. I'm gonna give this a four-nine. I'm gonna oh, give okay. it a four point nine, just an eyelash of uh, below five. It would have been lower, but uh, because I, again, much like with uh our previous episode where it feels like it's an episode that can only be an episode of transformers animated i feel that way about this one because like meltdown is a character that i don't believe can exist in any other continuity Um totally he's 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 a very uniquely tfa concept so so while that is terrific it it uh it lowers my g-wonder score so actually a low G1 score is good for for TFA episodes I I guess yeah that, um, that kind of makes sense
1: well yeah you're right I mean it's it's references to loads of different continuities and, and other references and materials uh, none of it is transformers this really is kind of its own its own standalone episode and could survive uh, without you know it well it does survive with it does not referencing anything else
0: yeah it, it you can't reskin this as a as a episode of TFP.
1: You yeah. know that, that oh, kind totally. of thing.
0: It's you know it's like it, it doesn't, um, or more like you can't like g one it because it's like super villains. What 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 the hell? I mean I'm sure some of these episodes might lend themselves to like you know if you move some things around, um, you know reskin some characters or, or or things like that. But like this one, this one doesn't. Um, the only reason the score is as high, quote unquote, as as high as it is, is because of the other pop culture references the 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 robocop references the batman references the spider-man references you know that that kind of stuff totally makes makes the score a little higher but like if i if if not for those references and influence this would probably be closer to like a, like a 2.2
1: right uh, <laughs> exactly but but, but, yeah. but
0: i'll give it i'll give it the four nine um just because Like, I mean, like the, the the RoboCop stuff in particular really, uh, made me chuckle because it's very, very subtle since, since they are in, uh, Detroit. And I I really appreciate
1: the subtlety of that. There's nostalgia for sure. Maybe if not transformers nostalgia, but there is nostalgia in
0: there. And, 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 and again, with the thing that's amazing about TFA is that it's, it's not the type of elbow nudgy nostalgia that we live in currently where it's like oh hey it's it's r5d4 you remember that robot from the from that other movie it's the same robot it's and not if a you robot. don't
1: here's the schlock about him yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, like, yeah.
0: it's um it, it's it's kind of frustrating and and it's there is a cynical part of me that thinks it's condescending also yeah where it, it's like it's like here you go dummy you know, have, have uh have some spoon fed nostalgia. It's like he's right. from the other movie. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Wow. That kind of thing. It's yeah. uh it, it's it's it, it's kind of frustrating. Whereas I like this stuff, it's like here's the other thing too. For all of these references that we've talked about it, it could just be our own imagination you know maybe maybe they have no tether to robocop maybe there's there there's uh you know maybe like the the spider-man stuff is is entirely coincidental which is just as awesome but it's it's there if you want to look for it and if you want to see it and interpret it but it's not like required viewing it's not like i i have to i have to read an entire series of novels to know what's going on in the in this cartoon episode it gives yeah
1: well to harken back to my literature classes put on my professor glasses here uh you know none of that is coincidental i mean maybe maybe the writer of this episode wasn't specifically mentioning or referencing robocop but it's there in the back of his head right like that comes out somewhere um it's it's interactive Intertextuality—it's—it's it's everything. You're the—you're the product of what everything you've seen before, and that's going to make your way. If you're creating content, it's going to make its way into it.
0: So before we get to your uh, haiku, which I'm—I'm I'm very intrigued by <laughs> because I, I'm very interested for what potentially is—is going to happen in in our next episode because I haven't watched it yet. I just have the—I uh, just have the title and a thumbnail, and I was like. We're doing dynamites in here, um, so so I'm really excited for the next episode. But I thought before uh, before we close out here, would you would you like some more listener feedback?
1: Oh, please, yes.
0: Um, so I you know I've I've collected a couple uh, uh, tweets and things that that have sent us um, uh, things that folks have sent us. Sorry, easy for me to say. Um, I got uh, got a couple tweets and messages from a friend of the show, Dave Cabal. Um, who has been a fan of Autopod Decepticast and has been a fan of uh, the stuff I do at Mike Cyber Radio. Really good guy. One of the most positive folks in uh, in the fandom out on on Twitter.com. If I had any criticism, though, it's like quit changing your Twitter name and quit changing your Twitter (laughs) handle because nobody knows who you are.
1: (laughs) Oh, we got to talk to this guy about branding. Come on. (laughs) But
0: I, but I wonder if that's intentional, but, um, but either way. So he, uh, um, he, uh, mentioned recently great to finally have someone cover transformers animated in depth. Also, they're getting me itchy to recollect transformers animated figures again. So that's, so that's, that's another one for, uh, uh, you know, going down the rabbit hole. And, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say that we're uh, like triple takeover and just like, you know, uh, accidentally spike the market on any toy lines that they cover. It's like, it's so funny. They they do an episode on vinyl tech and suddenly like vinyl tech and alternators get super expensive. You know, they, they recently did a episode on machine wars and, and, you know, those figures are suddenly super expensive again. And it's, uh, it's, I mean, I mean, talk about being like actual influencers in, uh, in this space. It's, yeah. uh, it's incredible, but like, so I, d- I don't know if two Mike's Too furious is going to cause a run on, uh, on TFA action figures, but, um, th- well, there's... I don't know
1: that legacy collection Prowl came out pretty much the same time as we launched the show. So I don't know. I'm going to take credit for that one.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, uh, and uh, um, uh, David messaged me also uh, on uh, on Instagram, I think. Um, uh, love the podcast. I think you found a perfect partner in each other that you guys balance out everything. It's a fun listen and excited to see you guys add more episodes to the podcast. Also, I'm glad you're not holding any punches for the questions, which are good. And I'm glad that Michael Andrews is able to answer your questions and not just brush them over. And I, 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 I agree with that. I really like the, these conversations that, uh, that we're having here.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's only because we're recording when we're off there and Mike asked me a question, I could care less. I just let it roll off my shoulder, but here on the show, I'm I'm ready to answer. Yeah, and uh, and one last Just one. Just kidding, Mikey. I love it, you.
0: Uh, heart you, fam. Uh, one last bit of feedback before uh, uh, before we uh, get to the haiku and close out uh, this uh, this from uh, Stuart, who is one of the uh, co-hosts of the recently somewhat returned uh more than meets the ear podcast where they're talking about transformers cybertron and um i i think they seem to be on a release schedule of releasing an episode right before a tf con or something that just kind of seems to be the pattern uh their, their hosts are very busy but anyway it's it's a really fun podcast uh go check it out more than meets the ear if you have any uh affection for transformer cybertron and even if you don't it's a it, it's a fun hang it's a you know trish and josh and stewart and uh, and Susan are, are are really fun together, um, but anyway. So so Stewart uh, posts a great episode. Mike's <laughs> plural. Oh. <laughs> um, I I hear I enjoyed hearing Mike Seibert catch those references and enjoy the show for its merits. But also he uh, posted to to you to Michael Andrews. Yes, Michael Andrews. I too remember Out of This World. You're right. Yes. The communicator in that show looks exactly like the AllSpark sidebar. Uh, there's a board game called Small World, and my first thought was a small world out of this world crossover. Yes. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he, he was disappointed that that did not happen. But yeah. I
1: share a brain with that guy because like that is the type of thing that happens to me. It's just so that would never be a board game in a million years. But I'm just like, that could be something that could be something. <laughs> <laughs> that that would
0: be super rad so like i i wasn't into out of this world but i i was huge into small wonder i uh um i oh yeah I,
1: i'm the opposite but i've only recently discovered small wonder but, yeah but small it was wonder even rules thing.
0: well yeah. I mean, she's a robot i mean come right. on it's like so <laughs> i mean th- i mean that's that's an easy one for me but yeah so that's uh, um we'll have some more listener feedback in our uh, next episode uh, uh, coming up, uh, next uh, TFA episode six, Blast from the Past. And uh, stay tuned to the end of the episode for more information about how you can contact us on uh, on the social medias. Uh, the, the feedback has been incredible. Uh, folks seem to be picking up on what we're putting down and digging it. And, um, yeah, please uh, feel free and give us uh, that, that feedback. You can also call our voicemail hotline and we will play those voicemails on the air. Michael Andrews, what, uh, what are we doing next time?
1: Yes. Well, I, first of all, spoiler alert, I think uh, your, your G1 score is going to be a little higher for this next episode. Mm. Uh, but my preview haiku, my pre-coup, uh, here we go. Things get Jurassic. New bots make an appearance. Just let bulkhead smash.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, um, so yeah, so we, we, we have been two mics, two furious. Uh, my name is Mike Seibert. I'm Michael Andrews. And, uh, and oh, yeah, that's right. We don't do that here. I was going to say uh, until next time, tell all or one uh, make good choices and and wear a mask and wash your hands and all that stuff. But I, I don't I, I don't think we do that kind of stuff here. We just, get
1: some pizza. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Woo woo woo. Oh, man, you got me with that Daywalker line between Star Wars and Star Trek. That yeah. really, that really.
0: Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email, 2Mikes2Furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow 2Mikes2Furious two two on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 2Mikes2Furious. Two two and raise your voice. Leave us a voicemail message at 260-274-MIKE. Again, that's 260 274 three.